Well, yes, indeed. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to all and to all a good day. And it is indeed Christmas Day, and we are very excited about the program we have for you today. As a matter of fact, if, I mean, it's, it's still, depending on your time zone, it's still relatively early in the day. Uh, maybe if you have kids, you've already done your, your big fun gathering in the morning. We've done. We, we, we've already read Luke 2 to the kids. We read it together. Our kids are a little older, teenagers and young adult. Um, and then open some gifts. And now, you know what you do after you open some gifts and you have your Christmas morning? You turn on your radio. Because today at Ed Stetzer Live, we have a special, special program for you. Again, my name's Ed Stetzer. I'm the executive director of the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. And this past week, I had the privilege of being in New York City. I had the privilege of being in Carnegie Hall. My daughter sang in Carnegie Hall. Now, to be fair, she was actually singing along with the Gettys, along with hundreds and hundreds of other people who were at the Gettys Christmas Spectacular. I call it that because it sounds very impressive. But it was it was a blessing and an encouragement. So my daughter sang, and she'll be back as a soloist one day. But we were there in the city because we were super excited to be with the uh, Keith and Kristen Getty with their Christmas concert at that they do each year, actually, at Carnegie Hall, but not just Carnegie Hall, lots of other places as well. Uh, fun fact, we actually used to go to the show in Nashville. So now it's Sing, an Irish Christmas with Keith and Kristen um, was, was at Carnegie Hall in New York City. And we were, we were actually going to, we kind of visited a little bit there. We're going to do some recording there, but to kind of give you a little more time, to our audience, a little more music. Keith and I have actually pre-recorded this program because, to be honest, we're not actually like up on Christmas morning doing a live recording. You probably guessed that already, but um, but we want to encourage you. So today, for the first time, we've never done this before. We're going to actually play some music on Ed Stetzer Live. I'm going to be a, like a DJ, but a really like. Well, Keith's pretty much the DJ, but but let's jump into our conversation because our, we have Keith and Kristen uh, Getty. You've heard their names before. They're Dove Award winners, uh, preeminent modern hymn writers. They've created the Getty Music Record label. They tour annually, playing to 40,050 people a year. The music has been recorded by lots, uh, performed recorded by lots of different artists, regularly sung at my church and probably yours as well. And Keith and Kristen Lee live between Northern Ireland and Nashville with their four daughters. And Keith joins us today for our conversation. Thanks for coming on, Keith. Thanks, Ed. Technically, only one of the two of us have served as a music director in a church, and that was you, just to be clear. I that's true. I have I have done that for two long years. I did some of those things, but it was really but no, you I mean you're Keith Getty. We love you. And and who doesn't sing? A Keith Getty, a Keith the Kristen Getty, or some variation of your writing team here. But we're so excited to have this conversation with you. Let me just say, too, we had a great time at the concert. And you Wasn't guys that a fun just, night? It was. You exalted the Lord. People laughed. And it was... And New York City is not the easiest place to do a concert these days. So thanks for coming to the city. You know, well, you know what? It, the, the, the old maxim, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere, it is actually true. Whether you're a chef or a businessman or a musician. And we, we've been going to Carnegie Hall for seven seven years and actually going there, the exercise of going there makes you better. It makes your band more focused. It makes, it makes, it raises your standards. So it's, it's been good for us and, and, and a great learning curve for us too. Yeah, so it's funny. You know, of course, I've been in the interim at Calvary there, and you have used to do, they were telling me on Sunday that you used to do choir rehearsals over there. You've done concerts over there. So you've got this, I mean, people love you in New York City. Well, we... 
it's so exciting to be involved in Christianity, the world. When you, Ed, you and I have talked about this, you know, to be involved with the Christian church where it is growing. And the fact of the matter is, you know, since 1980, you know, the, 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 the evangelical church in New York has grown from 1% to 5%. And the media won't tell you that. But it's an amazing thing. And, and part of it's part of it, no doubt, is, is immigration. Um, but also part of it is just faithful churchgoers and uh, uh, faithfully presenting the gospel and bringing it to people. So I think what has happened in New York City, you know, in the last generation, generation and a half, is an exciting thing and an exciting thing to be part of. And we want to be part of that, too. Love it. Love it. Okay, so you've got a new album. Yeah, you perform things. We, we always joke when we're together. You you always perform in Christ Alone. It's got to be sung together at any concert. Matter of fact, when we have when anyone has to do two songs, it's... It's whatever else, and then in Christ alone. So you sang that there, yeah. but you were singing from the new album Confessio as well. So tell us about that. Well, Ed, I went home to our mutual homeland, the island of Ireland, last year after <laughs> after we did Sing Global. You guys were so good at encouraging the whole Sing Global thing that happened last year. And uh, the week after, it was easy to remember. It was September the eleventh, an easy day to remember flying. And we flew home to yeah. Ireland, and we just went home for a whole year. And it was wonderful. You know, I was up in Bally Castle one day, which is in the, a little town in the north coast, looking across at the Mull of Kintyre in Scotland, looking and, and just because it was a beautiful, clear day, and just thinking about 17 centuries of Christianity in mm. Scotland and Ireland. Can you believe that? 17 centuries of Christianity, of faithful tradesmen and mothers and farmers and pastors and doctors and business guys who have all poured their faith and passed that promise to the next generation. Um, and just sitting there with all the challenges of life and thinking about my own four little kids and the, the core fundamental job I have of passing the promise on to them and just how hard it is for us, you know, today and the challenges that all of us face in our lives. So, so I, that, that began a journey. We looked at, we, of course, we went back to St. Patrick, who brought Christianity, and of course, his famous prayer was called the Confessio. And, uh, and then thinking about also how the Irish have spread faith around the world. Northern Ireland was the most missional country in the world per capita until the 1980s. It's not it's a title that's been taken from them by South Korea. Um, but also, in particular, the wonderful connection that you and I share of being Irish people or Scotch-Irish people who moved across to America and the connection between the two countries. So that's what the album is all about. It's about our Irish heritage. It's about how it's traveled, and in particular, how it's traveled to America. It is interesting, though, that that being, of course, you know, I'm I'm a plastic patty. People will have to Google that, but it's someone who sort of aspires. I love my Irish heritage, but, you know, it's been a couple of generations since it was seriously engaged in our family where you're, I mean, but people are fascinated by Irish and Irish, you know, even the, the dancing that took place at the at the concert, um, you know, the Irish folk music and all. What what brings this interest in Irish music around the world? Um, well, I think as a music, it's a, it's a very it's a very communal music. I'll never forget. I was at an event one day, and a man came up to me in and in, in like what looked to me uh, what looked to me as a poor Irish guy is like a nineteen piece suit. You know what I mean? It was it looked like more formal than Al Mohler, you know. And he goes. Dr. MacArthur would like to speak to you. So I suddenly got panicked. The Dr. MacArthur wants to speak to me. And he comes over to me. And Dr. John MacArthur comes over and goes, have you ever considered what a... He says, I want to tell you something. I'm like, what is it? And he, goes, and he goes, have you ever considered what a gift it is that you were born in Ireland? And I said, well, why would that be? And he goes, because they're, 
their music is the easiest music to sing in groups. And it's true. It's true. The Irish people are very social people. If you even go to their most brilliant geniuses, like C.S. Lewis or, or my wife's uncle, John Lennox, as brilliant as they are, they were better in dialogue. You know, I mean, they just they just spar with people. And similarly, our music is very social music. It's music. If you sing a melody, everybody in the room can sing it the second time around. You know, if you if you tell a story, you tell it to the whole room. It's it's a very social, I, I guess. And, and some people would say it's the pub culture of the of, of of the people, but they're just a very social culture. And I think also having having the the gift of poverty, I guess, for many hundreds of years, it's all we had. Do you know what I mean? So, so yeah. like I went to my grandparents' house either side or my great aunt's house, and people just burst into song. It's what you did because that was that was joy. That was your that was your weekend party. That was your Sunday worship. Mm-hmm. That was how you sent your kids to sleep at night. And uh, and that was uh, so. I, I think I think I think it was a social culture. Yeah, sometimes when I hear Irish folk music, I Moss Skinner was my uh, great grandmother's name, and I remember I'll hear a song and I'm like, oh, I remember Moss Skinner teaching us that, and so she was one generation away from Ireland on my father's side. Um, so, so again, Confessio for those who don't know, as always, you can find all the links to these at edstetzerlive.com. But we're going to play some song. We're going to play some music. And so, if you wouldn't mind, Keith, introduce uh, introduce the first song. I think it's "Pass the Promise." Introduce that for us. Oh, "Pass the Promise." Yeah, this was a song actually. Unfortunately, I didn't get to write in this. When did you hear what happened? Sandra McCracken came around to our house to write with Kristen and I. We want to work on a song together. And her nanny didn't turn up. So she brought her kid. And so I said, okay, look, I'll take care of Tally and your kid. And you and Kristen do the first hour. It's a three-hour session. And we'll switch out each hour so that we can all kind of contribute in that kind of way. You know? So Kristen and Sandra write the entire song in one hour. So I don't even get to be part of it. <laughs> so I am. If people are out there and they're looking for, I mean, I, I'm thinking of starting my own babysitting service. So if you want to go to like one eight hundred Getty babysitting, you know, I might be, I might be, and this might be my new career. But anyway, they wrote this amazing song in one hour, and and that's what it was really all about. You know, I mean, everything Kristen writes is about her kids. So all the the best art that we always write in life is the thing that's closest to our heart or the closest to our experience. It's no coincidence. David's greatest psalm was Psalm 23 as a shepherd, you know? Mm. And so Kristen always writes best speaking into this. And she took the prayer of Hannah in the Old Testament and uh, and then and then built this chorus, Pass the Promise to Our Sons and Daughters. So it's a it's a it's a, it's a really important song. We we do it in church, and it's interesting. For the amount of worry that we spend on our kids, for the amount of prayer that we spend on our kids, there are very few songs that we sing about our kids. And so it's become a it's, it's definitely become the most successful song on that record so far. And of course, because that prayer so deeply influenced the Magnificat, it's also a wonderful song to have at Christmas on Christmas Day. Let's take a listen to Pass the Promise on Christmas Day. I will pray rejoicing from my heart. Pray rejoicing from my heart. For in Him my victory's lifted high. His salvation is my cry. He has overcome my enemy. I praise His scorn, the enemy. I delight in His deliverance. The Lord is our deliverance. Pass the promise to our Thank you. 
in Jesus, we know our citizenship on earth is actually temporary, but the days can be challenging navigating a world in cultural decline. A.W. Tozer brings help and encouragement in his book, Culture, Living as Citizens of Heaven on Earth. He tackles the how-to of confronting and battling worldliness while we live in anticipation of heaven. Be better equipped to take on each day. Read Culture, Living as Citizens of Heaven on Earth. Your copy is at moodypublishers.com. We are back. It is Christmas Day. Now, some of you listen to this via podcast, and I imagine some of you listening later on. Maybe if you're listening two days after Christmas, just remember it's the third day of Christmas. Christmas is a multi-day experience. Advent comes before. The days of, the days of Christmas follow on the liturgical calendar. We're talking to Keith Getty. Their new album is Confessio. Uh, let me also mention that you can see, and I want Keith to explain a little bit, but you can actually see they did a concert at uh, the Museum of the Bible, and a full concert, and it's you can find it, and the link's at edstetzerlive.com, but also singglobal.com slash Christmas, and it's free, and you can act, well, I mean, tell us, how the, the world did you end up doing a concert at Museum of the Bible that's now available for everyone to watch? Tell us about that, Keith. Well, we, we used our concert hall for two nights. We'd, each year for the last six weeks on the Kennedy Center, obviously not last year, I said, could you ever, would you ever consider for a year? Since we're still got this pandemic around us, you know, do two nights at the Museum of the Bible instead. And then the second one could be a live stream, which we all decided the right thing to do was to give it away for free so people could enjoy the Christmas show for free this year. And almost a quarter of a million 
uh, views on it so far. 135 countries have come in. That includes Afghanistan, Iraq, most countries wow. in the Middle East, China, all over the world. So people are, are really enjoying being able to connect in and be part of that. And we're thankful to the Lord for it. And it's a, it's, it's a, because I just had seen the one at Carnegie Hall, you went from New York to D.C. to do this. That's and people right. can find this uh, right right online at com. You can find the link that's there. That's right. So the new album, of course, is Confessio. It's, us, it's um, us in our band. Oh, it's us in our band, but also David Platt does the most wonderful presentation of the gospel in the second half, which I would encourage you, if you get a chance to play it, even to family, put it up, you know, put it up on your TVs over Christmas holidays and let them hear this. It's just wonderful. I could listen to David Platt all day, and I think it's wonderful. Um, the story behind the album, you mentioned Confessio, you mentioned Patrick. Um, many may not know that, of course, Patrick, we're aware, brings the gospel to Ireland. Later on, Keith's already kind of mentioned how the Irish, there's actually a book called How the Irish Saved Civilization. It's not a Christian book, but even there you can see that they re-evangelized the continent of Europe and more. So Patrick and Irish Christianity has been a, uh, a, cor- a source of interest for many. So tell us more about Confessio. Tell us more about the album. What's your heart in it? What's What are we going to hear when we listen to it? Um, well, I think I think there's, there's, several, there's several purposes to it. I think we went home and we began to think of the hymns that we have carried with us through life. And so, Kristen, I think a little bit of it is we're conscious now we're now moving towards the second half of our career. And it's what are the things that are critically important? As we look to the last year, as we look to next year, as everybody out there looks to next year and the things that are important in their life, you know, we have to remember, you know, I think it was Amy Carmichael say, we have all eternity to enjoy um, the Lord's and so much work to do before then. So we said, what are the things that we have to do? And even more important than trying to bring out 10 modern hymns every year was maybe to write two or three a year and to give people the great hymns of the faith. When you give someone a hymn, you give them a gift for 50 years. One day, I'll give you an example. One day I was listening to a mix in the car as I drove the girls across to St. Paul's, which is the school they go to in Nashville. And uh, and uh, we're driving in the car and I said, Be Thou My Vision came on. They started singing that. And I began to think, what a great thing that my girls might sing, Be Thou My Vision, O Lord of my heart. Is there anything? And then as it got to verse 2, it says, Be Thou My Wisdom, um, and my, Thou My True Word. And I thought about the challenges of education, the challenges of the Kindles and the computers that are in their hands, and all the wisdom that will come across them. And then it goes to verse 3, Be Thou My Battle Shield, Sword for the Fight. And I thought about all the temptations they will have when I'm not around. And I then thought about when they leave home and either have success or failure, being able to sing, Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise, thy mine inheritance, now and always. And then you think about sickness and living, getting older and aging and death. And you sing, High King of Heaven, after victory one may I reach heaven's joys, O bright heaven's sun. So, all that to say, to give somebody that hymn and give them that language is a gift you give them for 50 years because you know they will carry it with them for 50 years. And so that that was a lot of this album. It's for Kristen to take hymns like When I Survey, Amazing Grace, Be Them My Vision, It Is Well With My Soul, and do her beautiful interpretations of them. So that, that was really exciting. Yeah, I can listen to Kristen sing all day. She's, she's really amazing. You're both amazing. Um, uh, you're going to introduce us another song. Tell us about Brightest and Best. Well, you know, I was I was just thinking, I've been thinking of this all Christmas. You know, there's something all of us as we sit on Christmas Day with our families and we sit back and ponder the year. We all do it. 
And it's so important, isn't it, to give thanks for spiritual blessings, but actually just to give thanks for people in our lives who have enriched our lives. And uh, I, I, I felt strongly about that for the last couple of months, especially in the COVID season, where there is so much negativity and so much, and so much to be concerned about. But to be able to say, who are the people who I'm really thankful for? And maybe today you might want to text them or contact them or, or just be thankful for them. But one of them this year for us is actually our mutual friend, Ed, and that, that is Ricky Skaggs. You know, he, yeah. he came to the Skirmahorn show 10 years ago on the 23rd of December, the whole way through. And he came to see us afterwards and he invited us to come as his guest on the Grand Ole Opry and to play the Grand Ole Opry. We've been able to do that. I think we've done that 20 to almost 30 times since because Ricky introduced us and allowed us to become part of that whole machine. And it's been a privilege. But he also encouraged us to look at the connection between Irish music and American music, because whether it's country or bluegrass or Appalachian or Americana or even the gospel song tradition or the hymn tradition, so much of it found its origin in the Irish and the Scotch Irish. So it's an amazing thing. Uh, just just to think about those things. And uh, so as a t we were playing the Kennedy Center in, I think, six, 2016, and Ricky joined, joined the band uh, for the night and played and came on, and he played this song called Brightest and Best, and it was spine-tingling. It was so beautiful. It just sounded like an old Irish tune that could be an Appalachian tune. Um, I think the Appalachians claim it, actually. But it was this tune, this hymn by Reginald Heber. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with Reginald Heber out there. He, Reginald Heber is most famous for writing the hymn, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which is just the most perfect hymn. Heber was English aristocracy, went to Cambridge to do classics, and became one of Britain's top poets. The likes of John Betjeman, you know, so really, really fine poets all link Heber as one of their great influences as a poet. But he, his heart was caught by the gospel, and he wanted to bring the gospel to the world. And the, the more he got to know the Lord, the more he said, Christianity pushes us beyond our borders. And so he ended up going to India and going up and down the country, sharing his faith with those less fortunate than himself. He was, he was dead by 41, and uh, he was the Bishop of Mumbai by the end of that. But um, it's an amazing story. And this hymn, Brightest and Best, is really an autobiographical hymn of how the story of Christ's incarnation of having everything and making himself nothing um, spoke to him. It's a really powerful hymn. And so we're so thankful for 10 years of knowing Ricky Skaggs and that he and Kristen would get into the studio and record this as just an amazing duet. Hail, blessed morn, see the great mediator. Down from the regions of glory descend. Shepherds go worship the babe in a manger. Lo, for a guard the bright angels attend. Say, shall we? Dawn on our dark 
Did not. 
to certain shepherds, but tidings are the same. How that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy, tidings of comfort and joy. Well, welcome back. You've been listening, of course, to some music. We've had some wonderful opportunities. I feel like a DJ playing all this different stuff. Keith, you spent a year in Ireland with your family. Tell me about that. Yeah, no, we just went back home. Chris and I are both from Ireland. And uh, after seeing Global last year, with all the chaos of coronavirus, we thought this is a unique chance to take the girls home, to spend time with their family. And it, it was really special. It sounds, it sounds really neat. Okay, one of the things that you guys have been passionate about is, I mean, of course, Confessio has some of those Irish roots and roots in deep hymns and more, but you have also yeah. helped reintroduce hymns to the, the church. A lot of churches focus more on modern music, not that we're against that, but you said, you've said in, well, first on my program in the past, you've written it, that the church needs a diet of songs that sustain us. Tell us about what you mean by that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, m- many of my friends write worship modern worship songs, and I, I never believe in one at the exclusion of the other. Um, but but most of them are modern worship, they're not trying to write songs that last for 50 years. They're trying to write songs that speak in a powerful way to the now, in the language of now. And so I think we also need these old, these, 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 these songs that have power because great art lasts. You know, and, and whether, whether you're building a house or whether you're making a painting, great art lasts. That actually, what we see in the Christmas carols is great art transcends culture. And uh, you take something like God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. Well, that was part of Charles Dickens's Christmas Carol. So you can watch that. You can read that in a book. You can watch that in a movie. You'll hear it if you're driving to Macy's to get some last-minute Christmas shopping this year. And you'll, I, 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 and you'll, and you'll see it in a TV show. That's a, but, but the great art of Christmas has allowed us this unique opportunity, still to some degree, to, to, to have a voice in the public square uh, for our faith. Yeah, I was reading an article on Christianity Today. We'll link it at itsdeadsarelive.com, but it's the lifespan of a popular worship song, which used to go 12 years, and now it's, and that was in the 90s. Now it's shrunk down to four years. I imagine you're not shooting for four or 12 years, and you're, it does seem to build. I mean, people go their whole lives, and they might, at the end of their life, not remember a lot of things, but they can sing great hymns of the faith. It's almost building an oak versus a a mushroom. And how do you, I mean, how do you like think through that? How do you try to make something that lasts for decades? What's the thinking process? Well, I think that the first thing we do is to, to be candid is we, we point people to the hymns that have lasted. Do you mean? Cause that's what, so we want them to sing, be them my vision that as well with my soul and hark the herald angels sing in a little town of Bethlehem, because we know they last, we know they're beautiful. We know they're rich as a writer. Obviously, you know, some of our hymns, you know, in Christ alone is still a growing song. And it's in its 21st year. Speak of Lord, wow. Power of the Cross, which are your eyes, are 17 years old. And they're also, all three of them are still growing in terms of their, the, the metrics of how many people sing them every year in the world. And uh, so you know, we've managed it a few times, but, but, we're, but we're still amateurs. So I, I, I encourage people to really, really reach back, reach back into the, these, these gifts that we've been given. Uh, to the church for generations of, of the great hymns that have lasted. And make sure, as well as singing your contemporary songs, that you have a core, maybe 50 songs that you yourself sing. Our hope is that everyone will not choose hymns as an exclusion to songs, but that along with everything we sing, at the core there will be maybe 50 great hymns 
that that each one of us can know, that our families can know, whether it's in the car or the kitchen or, or, or wherever it's played, and that each of us will love our churches enough that they have a core of great hymns to sing. Hmm. Um, you, not all are cheery songs. You know, there there are songs of lament, there are songs of joy, songs of worship. And there are songs that um, that that point us at Christmas time, a particularly joyful time as well. In the midst of this, I, I really enjoyed the "In the Bleak Midwinter." Tell us a little bit about that song, and then we'll play it in this segment. Yeah, no, it's a it's a, it's a beautiful it's a beautiful hymn of devotion. Um, it was written by Christina Rossetti, who was a real fine poet of her generation. Obviously, she's using she's using imagery. To try and help us, to help try and help, as you say, Ed, to try and help those of us who are in, in the bleak midwinter of life. David Platt uses the phrase metaphorically, where he talks about if you are in the in the bleak midwinter of life, if you listen to the live stream. Um, but and obviously in Israel, when Jesus was born, snow was not falling, snow on snow in December. Um, but she uses this metaphorical language to help us understand the story, to get inside our suffering, because that is the vulnerability of the Christ child coming in a mother's womb to earth for each one of us. And in that last verse, what can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would give a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what I can I give him, give my heart. It's just a beautiful uh, piece of poetry by one of the, the fine female hymn writers, uh, Christina Rossetti. In the bleak midwinter, frosty wind made moan. Earth stood hard as iron, water like a stone. Snow had fallen, snow on snow, snow on snow. In the bleak midwinter, long. Our God, Him cannot hold Him, nor sustain. Heaven and earth shall flee away when He comes to
Well, Hark the Herald indeed. And this is our final segment with Keith Getty. And we're having this conversation on Christmas Day. And I hope you're being blessed and encouraged with our conversation as well. Let me mention again, the, the album is called Confessio. You can actually watch the concert, which includes part of that. Go to edstetzerlive.com and you'll be able to go to the singglobal.com slash Christmas link there. You'll be able to watch their live stream, a recorded stream now, from the Museum of the Bible. What a gift and a blessing that is as well. Of course, the album's Confessio. We've linked that as well at edstetzerlive.com. Continuing our conversation with Keith Getty, who we're thankful have on the program today. What do you hope that people will gain, grow, learn, be impacted by the album Confessio listening this time of the year, next year, and beyond? Um, the, the Confessio album, we hope people just begin to learn to love great hymns of the faith, that, 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 that they can that they can take them and internalize them. Um, you know, we did This Is My Father's World, Amazing Grace, um, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, uh, uh, it is well with my soul, um, and these are hymns. And be that my vision, these are hymns I want my children to grow old with. And uh, this is these are hymns that I hope a whole a whole new generation can also grow old with too. Yeah, fascinating. And and again, when you when you write some of these songs, you're obviously thinking about singability. I don't even know if singability is a word. I guess it's a word. Um, and because one of the things we love is you write songs that people sing. Why is it important? Because I go to church and the back third of the church doesn't sing or people aren't sure, yeah. men aren't sure if they're going to sing. Why is it important that people sing? You write towards it. Why? Well, it's two things. Yes, yeah, two things. It's number one is that we, you know, the, the gold of God's people worshiping on a Sunday is exactly that. It's God's people singing. Whether whether they've got a masked choir, a celebrity worship leader, or a sound machine, or a rock band, or a pipe organ that, that goes back to the 1800s has nothing to do with anything. The gold is God's people singing, and the role of all, all the rest of us is just to help God's people sing. And so that's why we have to get, get it the right way around. Rather than see music as the branding of a church, primarily no, it's to, it's to help God's people get together and sing. It's our little foretaste of heaven that we have. It's also the most common command in Scripture, so it's something that's hugely important to God. But I think the second thing, I think the second thing you said is, you know, as a writer, we want songs that are f wonderful to sing. A, a lot of my friends from the more conservative tradition that I came from used to always say the songs have to be theologically sound and singable. And I know what they were trying to say, but they were completely wrong. You know, they have to be fantastic to sing, and they have to be such beautiful poetry that uplifts our minds and joins what we believe to the, to the deepest nerves of our humanity, that they fire us to want to put our hands in the air if we're a charismatic or clench our fists tighter if we're a conservative. You know, they have to make <laughs> us just want to stand. They have to make us want to stand taller. And within that, they are great theology. You know, but they're not primarily just theological dogma. That that doesn't make people want to sing, and they can't just be melodies that are singable. They should be songs that we can't wait to sing that are so beautiful. And that's why these Christmas carols, when you get Hark the Herald Angels Sing, you get the you get the the lyrics of Charles Wesley, in my opinion, the greatest hymn writer of the English language, and you get the melody of Felix Mendelssohn, the extraordinary composer who composed the greatest violin concerto, who composed the Hebrides Overture who composed wonderful symphonies and oratorios. And so these, this is the, some of the finest art in history, giving us this carol that every Christmas gets better. Every Christmas you take a different line and you hear peace on earth and mercy mild, you know, God and sinners reconciled, or you, hear, you take a different line each time and it just becomes fresh and becomes new and becomes beautiful. 
Yeah. Well, and I do, I love the depth of it. And it's interesting because there's so many people who say, I don't want to sing, but it seems that at Christmas time, they find their song. And I wonder if there's not a lesson there that if we, if we lean into learning to sing and engaging to sing, that we can actually build churches that, that are filled with people who sing. I know when you, when you have, when you gather for the sing conference, I mean, it's just a stunning room of people who love to sing. So if people are listening and they're like, well, how do we have that kind of passion for singing in our churches? What advice would you have? I think just sing, sing great songs. You know, you know, if you're, when you're getting together, the most important thing you can do is you plan for the songs that you want to sing next year in your churches. As you think of the songs you want your kids and your grandkids to know, you know, take great songs. They sing well. And, and remember that everybody has a song. So your kids, for your kids, it might be Frozen. You know, it might be Michael Bublé, or it might be Harold Angel Sing. It, it can be, it can be, it, and of course, it can be a mixture of lots of things. But if we don't fill them with songs of the Lord, the only songs that are going to be going around their imagination and their memory banks and their minds and their hearts are those. You know, Johnny Tata this year released, I don't know if you've seen it yet, Ed, she re-released the original Johnny book autobiography that she did way back in her 20s that led to the movie that the Billy Graham organization did that led to Johnny and Friends, the ministry. And so 45 years on, she re-released the book, and it was the exact same book except for a final chapter, which is what does Johnny in her 70s tell Johnny in her 20s? And it's the, it is the best 10 pages anybody could read this Christmas if they want to search their souls and honor the Lord next year. And in that, one of the things she talks about was she, in the end, had to stop listening to secular music. Not that she feels everyone has to, but she said she realized that as she took her mind away from singing to the Lord, she goes, all the edges of life blurred. She goes, I indulged thoughts about myself and my successes. I indulged thoughts about other people who I didn't appreciate. The lines of what's true and not began to become defined in different different kind of ways. And so it is just so important this Christmas as we sit around, as we have music on in the background, as we prepare to go to church next week, as we plan for next year, that we are filling our homes with songs of, Lord, songs of the Lord so that the next generation and a generation yet unborn will sing of his mighty deeds. Yeah, last thing we want to hear is uh, as a song. We're going to take out our program today with a song. It's uh, it's got our mutual friend Trip Leon, but it's Oh Children Come. Tell us about the song. Well, that was a song we wrote for Ricky as well. Would you believe that was the very first mm-hmm. Carnegie Hall show we did with Ricky Skaggs? We wrote it with Let's Try to Brew Bluegrass Carol, and then about two years later, Lady Smith Black Mambazo, the African vocal group who sang in Paul Simon's Gracelands, they they did a version of it with us, a completely African version, and then. We were sitting jamming with it in band, and Trippett said, you know, I'd like to do a rap with you guys sometime. So we did this new version, which our band all put together. Pedro Eustache, um, you know, who, 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 who was the guy they built the Passion of the Christ soundtrack up with all the whistles. He joined in on the whistles, and then Trip Lee wrote this incredible rap inspired by the theme of Old Children Come. Let's take a listen, and uh, and thanks again for listening to Ed Stetzer Live. Keith, thanks for being our guest today as well. Put the blood on, born in the slum with the mud on. Stains went and leave when the sun's gone. Then it turned the flood on. Oh, how wretched the sinner I've been. Oh, what the mess I get myself in. Oh, what the message delivered I'm cleansed. Oh, how precious the river I'm in. Hey, that blood overflow. Hey, I really was on the ropes. Hey, could never pay what I owe. Praise God for the blood on his robes. I've been thrown in the deep end, yo. That's that flow I can sink in, yo. I really love what I drink in there. That's how he keeps me near, yeah. When I think about your greatness, it might so bright to be glad I had a face from the light. 
I'm even more amazed he gave us the craze Considering he made outer space in a lake I ain't never heard of love like yours Betrayed by the ones that you came to secure Think about the strain, the pain he endured Got me with my knees and my face to the floor Hey, no one greater in the universe Never heard of a guy that took on human hurts Hung up on the cross, paid for my debt Blood spilled for my guilt, not my pain to regret I've been thrown in the deep end, yo Death that flow out the sinking, yo I really love what I drink in love That's how it keeps me near, yeah. Well, again, super to have Keith Getty on the program Let me also thank my team behind the scenes here at Moody Radio Who are all, I'm hoping, having a Merry Christmas my producer, Karen Hendren, uh, Courtney Young, our engineer as well. Tune in next week. I'm going to talk to Wheat College's Andrew McDonald and author Larry Eskridge about the history of the Jesus People movement and its impact today. Hear today's program again. You'll find it all at edstetzerlive.com or on the Moody Radio app. And Ed Stetzer Live is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Where the Father's grace has walked Hello.